Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. To those of you who are season one listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to season two of the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast, hosted by me, Pip. I'm a practicing midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness, especially when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Do you find yourself with lots of pregnancy questions unanswered? Do you feel that extra midwifery support would be useful to you? Do you fully understand how to enhance your pregnancy wellness? You are in good hands. This podcast is for you. Alongside this, I have also been busy creating a 12-month pregnancy journey support group and course to provide you with a whole package of expert wellness and pregnancy information to guide you every step of the way leaving no stone unturned from trimester one right through to trimester four. And I'm now enrolling expectant mums in their first trimester. Spaces will be limited. So if you think this sounds like you, get in touch through my social media or at midwifepip.com. Over the upcoming 15 episodes, I'm excited to be chatting with expert guests, and real women on this season to bring you honest, evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy wellness journey. I hope these episodes leave you feeling positive and empowered. And don't forget, for more support and birth preparation, to check out my website, midwifepip.com for your free birth preference plan download. I hope that you are sat comfortably and ready for the midwife chats and knowledge bombs to commence. You are pregnant and just like that, your body starts undertaking a huge physiological and psychological change. I think sometimes that we as women forget that during pregnancy, your entire system is adapted as your body focuses on growing a new little human being. Parts become stretched, weakened and shifted as your little one thrives and develops. Then there is the matter of childbirth and regardless of how this may happen for you, it's a momentous time and arguably the biggest challenge your body will ever undergo. But you can't just put your feet up and recover as a new mum. You have a baby to care for and you are often sleep deprived. 
And so all too often, the incredible journey your body and mind have been on get forgotten and your nurturing and healing are neglected. But on this week's episode, I am joined by an amazing guest, specialist women's health physiotherapist, mum, and now author, Emma Brockwell. Emma's a woman on a mission to empower and inform women about the changes taking place in the pregnant and postpartum body and to support them on a journey to recovery in the right way. Women have for far too many years thought that many embarrassing or unpleasant conditions relating to women's health were normal and something we should just put up with. But the good news is that they are absolutely not. And Emma believes that all women should be informed and empowered with tools to look after and nurture their amazing bodies throughout pregnancy and motherhood. Emma Brockwell is a specialist pelvic health physiotherapist. She treats women of all ages with all women's health related conditions. She's passionate about pre and postnatal rehabilitation and exercise and specializes in enabling women back to exercise, particularly running, if they have any pelvic health dysfunction or are postnatal. She has co-authored the first Re Returning to Running Postnatal Guidelines and has spoken about this subject at many medical and exercise conferences. Emma's written for many magazines, including Women's Running and Women's Health magazine, and has a book out in February 2021 called Why Did No One Tell Me? How to Heal, Protect and Nurture Your Body Through Motherhood. Emma founded and leads a walk and running club, Oxted Ladies Running Club. She is the co-founder of Pelvic Raw, a physiotherapy-led collaboration aiming to promote and unite all things pelvic health. She's also on the advisory board for the Active Pregnancy Foundation and is an associate member to the Perinatal Physical Activity Research Group. She now works privately in Surrey and London and is the co-presenter of a new podcast called At Your Cervix. So welcome, Emma. And with that bio, I'm amazed that you've managed to give us any time. So thank you. I'm so grateful. <laughs> oh, no, I'm really grateful because I love your podcast. And um, and I gave you a far too long bio there, didn't I, really? Let's be honest. <laughs> Everyone can go now. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, it's good to know that we are definitely in the best hands when we start to talk about <laughs> protecting our bodies. And Emma, first of all, I have to say massive congratulations on your book. By the time people can listen to this, they will be able to order it. So the link to that is just in the description. So to anyone who hasn't checked out Emma's um, book, I totally recommend having a little look at that. Oh, um, because I just know how passionate you are about this subject. Yeah, I mean... Gosh, I mean, when I think back to when I got into pelvic health, I never, ever, ever thought I'd be lucky enough to have the opportunity to write about it. Um, but like most of us, or a lot of uh, pelvic health physios anyway, I guess we get into this area because potentially pelvic health affected us, uh, certainly affected me uh, during and after my pregnancies. And I'm just really grateful that I've had the opportunity to put pen to paper because I've, I've had a few moments, a few wobbles in the past few months when I was writing the book during lockdown, managing my kids um, and thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But uh, it, it's, been, it's been an incredibly amazing experience to write about it. It's been quite stressful, but yeah, I just hope that 
what I've written helps even just one person uh, with their, you know, throughout their pregnancy and postnatal journey. So yeah, thank you for plugging it. <laughs> Emma, I've no doubt it's going to help far more than one woman. I feel like you probably un- undersold the, the book ambition. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that's amazing. And an amazing um, thing for you to achieve as well, because it must be no mean feat, especially homeschooling and still, because I know you've still been seeing women, haven't you, in your yeah. clinic throughout lockdown. So you've been proper full-time working mum and homeschooler and author which is incredible this is what I love about mums because when you become a mum you realize what you can do you know I mean we are very good multitaskers (laughs) um and I'm I'm personally very lucky because I have an incredibly supportive husband I don't I couldn't have done all of this without his support and help um but yeah we're pretty awesome us women aren't we we can do a lot um as as pregnancy shows so yeah it's been full on and we're still Absolutely. in lockdown I can't believe we're still in a lockdown but we are lockdown 3.0 <laughs> oh, no more this has to be the last one please surely I mean things don't they, don't they never do like a fourth series or anything do they there's only ever three Ooh, good surely <laughs> good point any good series only yeah. ends in three so we'll exactly. go with that with COVID as well <laughs> oh we are full of optimism for that that <laughs> Emma Talk to us about pregnancy. There's so many changes that happen to women's bodies, aren't there? Like humongous adaptions. You're literally growing another human being. What can we do to try and support our bodies during these changes? Yeah, I think we as a society underestimate what our bodies go through. Um, And as you say, they are massive. Um, Everything changes. Our posture, our body weight, our endocrine system, our muscle length, our muscle strength. Um, what goes on in our brains? You know, the amount of blood that we produce. It's just incredible what our body does in such a very short space of time. And that's the big thing that we have to respect: is that so much is going on very quickly and. Yes, we are superhuman as pregnant women, but we have to allow for change and also give our bodies a bit of a break. Um, What I think is really important during pregnancy, if possible, is to prepare your body for that pregnancy journey. You can do that during your pregnancy, you don't have to do that before. Um, But preparing it during your pregnancy for childbirth and then for your postnatal recovery is really, really essential, in my opinion. I had Oh, I did not have a good pregnancy. I had had really severe hyperemesis during my first pregnancy and then less so in my second. Um, I was very sporty prior to falling pregnant and I had this amazing, uh, you know, idea of how I was going to uh, carry on my pregnancy, very active. Lo and behold, I was quite the opposite. I ended up on bed rest, more or less, because I was just so unwell. Um, It wasn't the pregnancy I hoped for. Um, And so I was perhaps less able to become prepared. And let's face it, some women are in that boat. And I empathise hugely with anyone in that boat. Um, But if you are having a pregnancy where you can prepare your body, where you can exercise, remain active, you don't have to go crazy with your exercise, but remain active, do your pelvic floor exercises, prepare your body for birth with perineal massage at the right time. 
um, get into the my, my the right mindset even. Um, there's just so much you can do just to be a little bit more prepared for the childbirth and postnatal journey. Um, and I know you and I have talked about the benefits of perineal massage uh, when we've spoken on Instagram lives. Um, but I do think there is a lot that you can do that can just get you ready for for the next stage in your in your pregnancy journey really. Definitely. And it's really empowering, I think, as well, to know that there's these things we can do to help prepare our bodies. And I always think, and you'll probably feel the same, Emma, because I know you're also a keen runner, that birth is literally like the ultimate marathon, isn't it? Like the biggest endurance event, the biggest challenge for your body. Yes. And we don't sign up for a marathon and then sit on the sofa for nine months. So actually, when we sign up to this pregnancy and birth thing, We've got this amazing nine months to start thinking about preparing ourselves psychologically and physically. Um, And it's really important we try and embrace that and get excited for it. And understanding your body makes everything seem less frustrating if you are finding that you're not able to do things you may have wanted to. Um, And also just respects it a little bit more by understanding the, the change it's making and why you might be feeling a certain way and why your hips might be sore and things like that can just be really helpful, I think. Yeah, I mean, when I was pregnant, there wasn't the social media that we had now. Um, There wasn't the plethora of information out there. There still is a lot of confusing and conflicting information. So I think you've got to really find your resources that are evidence-based, coming from true healthcare professionals in, in in the subject. But there is so much information out there now that hopefully women can see that if you have a low risk pregnancy, remaining active, for example, is a really positive thing to do for you and baby. Um, and I hope over the past sort of really nine years that I've been in, involved in pelvic health, I hope what we're providing offers less, you know, there's less scaremongering involved mm. if you're following the right people. So, you know, what you're doing on Instagram and what a huge amount of pelvic health physios are doing on Instagram and other midwives and doctors is just so important. Um, and yeah, use that community on social media to help find the right path for you, but predominantly listening to your body as well. That's really key as well. So, you know, on days where you're just not feeling up to as much, then that's perfectly fine. But it is a case of finding the right resources. If you're not sure, asking your healthcare professionals to signpost you to the right resources, listen to your body and use this as an, as an opportunity to explore different ways of, of what your body can work with um, so that you can really enjoy your pregnancy and feel really empowered throughout. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I love what you say about um, finding people on social media. And I suppose that's something that perhaps has been quite positive with lockdown is that there is now loads more resources. However, everyone is an expert on the internet, aren't they? So you do just have to be a little bit careful Mm. and kind of pick and choose what you might be choosing to read and kind of look at for sure. Yeah, it is quite difficult, isn't it? And I suppose it's easy for us because we know what the right things are that we're reading. Um, I guess probably going to your healthcare professional that's working with you throughout your pregnancy is the best thing to do. And they will give you the signposting to those people that they're aware of on social media. So that's probably the sensible thing to do, really, is is start with the person that you have that face to face contact with. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when it comes to pregnancy and preparing our bodies for birth, we have this important thing called our pelvic floor (laughs) why is it important Emma that our pelvic floor functions correctly because I think I probably speak for lots of women and I'm totally guilty of neglecting (laughs) my pelvic floor and I love doing exercise but 
if I'm honest, I can't see my pelvic floor, so I'm not as motivated to train it. But it is really important, especially in pregnancy, isn't it, that we start oh, thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean you're not doing your pelvic floor exercises <laughs> <Yes>. right now? <laughs> I think the big thing with pelvic floor exercises is the idea ideal would be that we're doing our pelvic floor exercises before we fall pregnant. That's that's the dream, and I think that comes on about how we educate girls from a younger age but if you are pregnant your pelvic floor will lengthen because of the weight on your system Um, as you say it's a muscle that we don't really tap into that much until this time in our life Um, if you are having a vaginal birth or a c-section your pelvic floor will be affected just by the changes that occur during pregnancy and certainly after pregnancy as well so like any other muscle if you don't use it it's not going to work as well as it could and the pelvic floor, gosh, it has so many roles. It stops us leaking poo, stops us leaking wee. It's um, it's a muscle that helps in sexual function as well. So a good, strong pelvic floor um, can mean that you have a better sex life as well. Um, it's a muscle that's the bottom of our core. So it can help in activating the tummy muscles, the deep back muscles, and potentially helping reduce uh, low back pain and pelvic pain during pregnancy. Um, it's a supportive muscle and when you're pregnant and all other muscles are lengthening and weakening it's just a muscle that can just help unite that whole muscular system which is just so essential with all of those changes occurring Um, it's also a muscle that supports your pelvic organs so your bladder your bowel your uterus so if you've got a strong working muscle there those functions are going to be better supported Um, and as I say that's that that function that functioning is happening pre-pregnancy, but it's also then going to happen postnatally when after we've birthed. It's a muscle that's going to be traumatized no matter how you birth. So therefore, we know from the evidence that the stronger your pelvic floor is prenatally or even during pregnancy, then the better it's going to rehabilitate postnatally. We see lots of common issues, pelvic floor dysfunction occurring during this perinatal time. So you might be leaking urine, you might feel heaviness in your vaginal area, um, you might feel bulging in the vaginal area, you might have problems controlling your bowels as well. Um, And all of those issues, those pelvic floor dysfunctional issues, they can be certainly reduced or improved with pelvic floor exercises, or we might even be able to prevent those issues occurring. So I think when it comes to pelvic health, we've got to think more down the preventative route. And I much prefer seeing women certainly just as they fall pregnant, so we can start them on their pelvic health journey, so that postnatally I'm not seeing them again and hearing, oh, but you know, I'm leaking urine now. There's no guarantee that doing your pelvic floor exercises is going to stop that, but it might just reduce the chances of that happening. So yeah, it's a really important muscle and it's just it's just one of those muscles that isn't the most exciting to exercise, but it's such a good thing to do if you can get into your pelvic floor exercises. So start yeah. doing them now, Pippa. Yeah, okay, noted, noted. <laughs> I'm on it, I'm on it. And hopefully everyone's on it with me who's listening as well. <laughs> um, and that's a really good point, remember, that you say in that we, we really need to be doing them for life, don't we? It isn't just for now. It really is something we need to do for life. And although they might not be the most thrilling and exciting thing to do, I mean, so much rather invest time while you're watching the telly doing your pelvic floors than having to deal with the symptoms of things like incontinence and prolapse later on, because that is 
a lot a lot more tedious and frustrating than just doing your pelvic floors yeah and I don't I, I, there was a time when we weren't particularly good with our dental hygiene so we you know we didn't brush our teeth twice a day but you just well I'd like to think most of us do that now I do do that yeah <laughs> yeah good excellent um so do I and you know I think if you can kind of get it into your daily routine or you know part of your self-care routine honestly once you've cracked them you can really get on with your pelvic floor exercises that take a few minutes and and you know the benefits of doing them far outweigh the 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 pain of doing them if that makes sense yeah oh for sure what can we do to help us um like remind ourselves Emma is there like apps that we can use or little may aid memoirs that can be quite helpful just to just to install it in our routine really yeah I mean I often just signpost patients to the squeezy app I just think it's the best app out there really I yeah, yeah I love it um I think it's about 2.99 um it's NHS endorsed it's actually created by a really good friend of mine Myra Robson um and her team and you know if you just want it on your phone for nothing more than just to remind you to do your pelvic floor exercises, it can ping a reminder up. Um, or you can use it as a means of a bit of biofeedback so you can watch the actual diagram or the picture on it uh, getting more orange or more green. Um, and then you'll know when to contract and relax your pelvic floor. Um, so that's kind of my favorite one, it's the Squeezy app. Um, you can, of course, pop post-it notes up if you really want to, um, just to remind you, I have lots of women that will do their pelvic floor exercises when they're making a cup of tea um, or brushing their teeth. What I would say is when you're using it within function, your pelvic floor wants to be you know, pretty strong, working at a pretty good level to just start exercising it. Sometimes when you start exercising it, you do need to sit down, you do need to think about it and dedicate some time to it. But once it becomes part of your routine, you can certainly do it whilst you're doing something else so that it doesn't seem like another chore. But I think these apps like the Squeezy app are really good triggers, just if nothing else to remind you to do it. So I would start there, first and Definitely. foremost. That's amazing advice. And I suppose it's quite useful to be able to later on when you have started to train your pelvic floor and strengthen it, to be able to do it while you're doing other tasks because your pelvic floor needs to be strong while you're doing other things and carrying on with your with your day-to-day -day life. I'm assuming, Emma, that most women probably don't have symptoms when they are sat down watching telly. It's more likely when they're moving around or walking and things. So we need to make sure it's functional throughout that whole range, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. The only time I wouldn't suggest that you do pelvic floor exercises, however, is when you are on the move. So when you're walking, when you're running, it's a muscle that works reflexively. So you shouldn't need to think about activating your pelvic floor. Be a bit like, uh, I don't know, just holding your arm in, in, a, in a flexed position. If you held it like that throughout a run, you'd have a very sore muscle, bicep muscle. So you've got to let it do its thing when you're moving but when you're potentially strength training you can certainly use and activate it particularly on the exertional part so let's use squatting for an example when you come up from the squat that's quite a nice time to engage your pelvic floor because we see on um on scans that your pelvic floor activates generally as you exhale um and so it's quite nice to exhale and lift your pelvic floor on the exertional part of an exercise and then you're getting more bang for your buck your strength training, strengthening your glutes, strengthening your legs, but also activating your pelvic floor as well. So I think it's it's quite a nice way to think about it in that in that respect. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And the other thing I always find really interesting, Emma, when we think about 
pelvic floor. So when, when women are giving birth, for example, as the baby descends down the birth canal, the baby's head makes contact with the pelvic floor and it, and it uses that to rotate into a good position to then pass through the vagina. Amazing. So if your pelvic floor isn't strong and functional, that rotation isn't so easy for your baby. So it can delay um, mm. birth because your baby's not in such an optimal position. And then your baby has to pass under your pelvic floor, doesn't it? So it's also important that we focus on that relaxation yes. part and don't have a pelvic floor that's so tight that it's also just dysfunctional. Yeah, nice. I think that's what's really key. We're not just thinking about how we squeeze your pelvic floor. We're thinking about how we relax the pelvic floor as well. Think of it like your bicep or your arm. You have to straighten it and you have to bend it to get full range of movement of the muscle. And that's what's particularly important during your labor is that the muscle's actually going to lengthen. It's not going to squeeze the baby out. It's going to lengthen with, with the contractions. So I think what you see a lot in, um, in particularly like, let's say, uh, antenatal yoga classes is they will focus a lot on just the relaxing of the muscle as well. And I sometimes wonder when I look back to my pregnancy and delivery, I ended up having an emergency C-section. Um, and, and because of all the vomiting that I had experienced during my pregnancy, I'm pretty sure my pelvic floor was quite tight. It was always switched on because I was just so tense. When it came to my uh, laboring, if you like, my cervix just didn't dilate. And, and I, I honestly wonder if, my, if my, that whole area was so tight and not relaxed because I'd been so poorly. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any research in this, but I do just wonder if we, if, if with women with like high premises, for example, if we do need to focus more on just helping them relax prior to that stage, um, maybe with, with the benefits of hypnobirthing and some of the work that you do in your antenatal class. Um, I've gone off on a magic, ma massive tangent, but I'm just always really interested in, in understanding more about the lengthening of the muscle if we need to focus more on that, particularly in those in our final trimester. I mean, do you think there's any, do you th is there any evidence with, with, with that, that, let's say population of women who have high premises, do we see that happening that they need to work on lengthening or stretching of the muscle at all? Yeah, that's a good question, Matt. I'm not aware of any research, mm. but it would be really interesting. And it makes sense, doesn't it? When you think, whenever you're tense or anxious, yeah. you tense your shoulders, you tense your jaw, you tense your abdominals, and by default, you're also tensing your pelvic floor. And so if we're constantly contracted, just as we get like a rick in our neck and a tense neck or, or a tense back, you're essentially going to cause the same. Those muscles are going to be tight and kind of in a, in a sense of almost spasm, aren't they? Mm, mm. Um, so it does make, I think, physiological sense. Yeah. Um, how we could do research on that would for sure be <laughs> challenging. And that's the difficulty with pregnancy, isn't it? That, that often we don't have these robust ways of doing evidence because it's just yeah. really unethical to say, right, you tend to the pelvic floor, you can relax it and we'll see you burst better. <laughs> like it's so hard to so hard, make yeah. those calls and analysis. But but that makes sense, right? It's, it's not going to be helpful if we're constantly, constantly tensing no. our, our muscles. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where something like the squeezy app is really good because you can also see the relaxation as well as the contraction. So another plus for the squeezy app, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And that visualization is really helpful in kind of trying to get that technique right, isn't it? That kind of visualizing something. And the squeezy app has that little droplet that kind of moves up, up and down. Yes. Are there any other visualizations that you sometimes suggest to women, Emma, just to help them 
because it's hard, especially if you've not seen someone like yourself take face to face, it can be really hard to make sure you've got that technique right. Yeah, technique's really difficult. Mm. Sometimes women think they're doing their pelvic floor exercises, but they aren't always. So I guess ways that you might know if you're not doing it quite right might be if you're holding your breath, um, squeezing your inner thigh muscles or really squeezing your bum cheeks um, or really holding your whole abdominal muscles really tightly. Then you know that you're probably not quite getting it right. So therefore it might be good to see someone like myself or speak to your midwife about that. Um, Ways I tend to help cue women are to think of uh, squeezing your back passage as if you're trying to stop yourself passing wind. You can also squeeze your front passage as if you're stop, trying to stop yourself passing urine as well. And I quite like to use breathing techniques to help in engaging the pelvic floor. So I would ordinarily suggest someone sits down, make sure that they're comfortable, take a nice deep breath in through their nose, into their tummy. So the tummy just inflates a little bit and then breathe out through your mouth as if you're blowing a balloon to the wall in front of you and then gently squeeze your front and your back passage as if trying to stop yourself passing urine or wind and try and hold it for up to 10 seconds but remember if you haven't done pelvic floor exercises before that's quite a long hold um so you might want to start you know maybe two or three seconds initially you want to try and do those for at least up to 10 repetitions long holds okay um, then you've also got to think of the fact that the pelvic floor is not only made of long twitch fibers which are your endurance fibers but also oh, sorry slow twitch fibers but also fast twitch fibers as well so you want to think about exercising those and the way you might do that is by quickly squeezing your front and your back passage quickly but slowly releasing i see so many women squeeze 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 and again they forget that letting go as well so squeeze quick slowly release and you're aiming to do at least 10 of those as well that's what that's the gold standard that you're building up to but I think the squeezing of the back passage or squeezing of the anus is a really nice cue that tends to work for most of the women that I see why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Amazing. Thank you. That's really, really helpful. I will, I'll bear that in mind when I start doing my family. <laughs> um, Emma, what are some of the common symptoms that we should be looking for in the postpartum period that suggest to us that actually maybe there is a dysfunction going on with our pelvic floor and we really need to seek some professional input? Yeah, so if you're leaking urine, when you're coughing, yeah. sneezing, laughing, or if you have the urge to go to the toilet, but you can't quite make it to the toilet and then you leak, um, they're, they're two certain symptoms that we might need to look at your pelvic floor a little bit more closely. If you can't control your bowels, so if you're getting any fecal urgency or incontinence where you are leaking from the back passage, um, also, if you're really constipated as well, because constipation can have quite a significant impact on the pelvic floor. So if you're really struggling with your constipation and you've spoken to your GP or midwife and had some laxatives, but that's still not helping, pelvic health physios can help there with that pelvic floor dysfunction. 
heaviness, dragging in the vaginal area, a bulge in the vaginal area as well. That's that's a sign that there might be, not definitely, but there might be signs of a pelvic organ prolapse. So that's another symptom. Um, pelvic pain, low back pain, another symptom where potentially there's some pelvic floor, um, an element of pelvic floor dysfunction. I will touch on diastasis as well, which is essentially where the linear alba, which attaches your two six pack muscles. So going down the whole of the midline along your belly button, um, that's where that tissue is slightly lengthened, if you like, and thinned. Um, and that can give uh, the, the look of a mummy tummy, if you look, or if you like, almost like you might still look pregnant despite having had your baby. And there might be, there's not definitely, because we don't have the evidence out there yet, but that might be an element of pelvic floor dysfunction involved in that as well so they would be the the key signs and symptoms where I think oh okay go and see a pelvic health physio um, and, and get that assessed and treated amazing that's amazing to hear and there's some of the things that we can we can look out for um, although I have to have just like a mini rant, Emma. So we um, oh, no. we kind of think when when it comes to like the postpartum, and that if we've got these symptoms, then we'll go and see someone, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, if you think about the amount of muscle and tissue changes that have happened to all of your body during pregnancy and birth, no matter what type of birth that might be, we should really see a, a pelvic health physiotherapist regardless right like if you had any other kind of surgery or operation that affected the muscle you would have like a good six weeks or, or even longer physiotherapy input and you'd have an exercise kind of portfolio to follow and you'd be getting feedback on how that was healing but when it comes to pregnancy and birth we kind of sign you off from your midwife at 10 days and we're like See you later. Oh, and watch out for your contraception. And that's that's it, isn't it? That's all we get. Mm. It's rubbish. Oh, that's my rant. It's, oh, I'm going to join you in that rant. <laughs> it drives me bonkers I know the 10-year NHS plan is that every woman that has a baby will see a pelvic health physiotherapist the problem with the plan is there aren't enough pelvic health physiotherapists and there's an awful lot of women having babies every year yeah, um, so I think oh massively outnumbered so you know I'm, I'm delighted I'm ecstatic that, that that's the plan and, and and the system sees the value in that mm. um, I think if you feel you need to see a pelvic health physiotherapist, speak to your GP or your midwife, ask for that referral. It might take a few months, but even if you're six months down the line and you're still asymptomatic, which is great, still see that pelvic health physiotherapist because we, are, we have seen research that shows that women who aren't symptomatic at the time of uh, their initial postnatal recovery do start becoming symptomatic within five years of having had their baby. And I'm, I'm not saying that to frighten anyone or worry anyone. I mean, that cue should just be enough just to do your pelvic floor exercises, which, which, which will help dramatically. But I just think that women don't, we just don't seem to get acknowledged for this huge thing we've just been through. And the fact that our bodies change and they do need rehabilitating and that's perfectly fine. And in my opinion, essential. Um, one thing I will just add, sorry, uh, to your last question about symptoms, which I do think is sometimes not considered as such a pelvic floor dysfunction to symptoms are if you cannot control wind, um, and if you also have painful sex, sorry, there were two symptoms that I just wanted to get across because they are two key symptoms as well that pelvic floor isn't quite perhaps as happy as it could be. Um, so, you know, 
with or without symptom, pelvic health physio is the way forward postnatally, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely, Emma. And I think that's a message that we just need to get across because I don't think women realise. And I think we've just accepted that we just deal with whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, we really need to start driving and pushing for that change because it is so important that our bodies are looked after. Yeah. And the NHS um, Squeezy app that we talked about, they've got a directory on there, haven't they? So mm. you can actually search literally via your postcode and find all of your local NHS and private um pelvic health physios and as Emma rightly said the NHS does have a waiting list but I think sometimes it's worth looking at pelvic health and seeing a private physiotherapist as something that we can really consider and plan for. We spend as women so much money on hundreds of nice white or grey brand new baby grows and like the best designer pram and all of these wonderful but really materialistic things let's be honest that's entirely unnecessary we don't need to have a baby that's got like three designer wardrobes and brand new converse <laughs> trainers actually if we could try and save some of that money and plan plan for this during pregnancy or your lead up to pregnancy and just pop a little bit of money aside if you possibly can so you can invest that in your own health and wellness because, oh my goodness, you will reap the benefit. Oh, hugely. You you gave me a really nice idea when we spoke um, a few weeks ago about um, popping, as instead of asking friends on a, uh, oh my gosh, what's what's the party that you have? Oh, baby shower gifts. Thank where you. you. Those great oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a massive blank there. And you, you had a great idea of what about vouchers to HelloFresh for, we were talking about postnatal nutrition. Yeah. Um, I am seeing more and more women get as a, as a baby shower gift, um, a postnatal check, which I think is a great idea. Um, there should be no guilt associated with a bit of self-care and allowing for to nurture your body. I mean, it's just so important. And yes, it's not the most glamorous assessment. No, it's not going to feel relaxing like a massage, but oh it, it just is so invaluable I think yeah definitely that's another really great tip it's about prioritizing ourselves a little bit yes. isn't it our baby is not going to remember those designer clothes but actually <laughs> our pelvic floor will remember that good assessment and that ongoing plan so yeah. just it's just something to bear in mind actually maybe start planning for that in your pregnancy if you yeah, are I able agree. to yeah. um, okay that's that's the lecture over and my little rant over <laughs> Now, we've talked a little bit about kind of healing from birth and how pelvic floor exercises really form part of that. Um, but how soon can we do them? Is there too soon or is it just great to crack on when we when we can? Do you mean in terms of postnatally or? Yeah, sorry, postnatally sorry. with our kind of recovery. Yeah. Pretty much as soon if you end up having a catheter put in put in during delivery, uh, make sure you the catheter is removed. But once catheter is out, you can start your pelvic floor exercises. That would be the first exercise I'd recommend starting after having a baby. And I don't mean referring back to the 10 second holds 10 times and the 10 fast reps. I literally mean just lying on your side, perhaps when you're feeding baby and just squeezing and relaxing your pelvic floor. You might not feel it initially because the initial feeling that you might find when you're really cracking on with your pelvic floor exercises is that lift of your of your perineal area you might not feel anything that doesn't matter just start engaging that muscle it will get blood to the area it will encourage any healing that might need to occur around there um, and just 
every few hours tap into the muscle and, and use it because the sooner you start activating it, the sooner you're going to rehabilitate it. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good point, actually, that you say that in that immediate postpartum, you might not have that normal sensation. And I suppose that's why it's so important to have developed that prior to this point so that you do know what you're working towards, because it's really hard to know that you're doing it in the right way or engaging the right muscle if you've never done it before. And then you're trying to do it for the first time with that altered sensation kind of post birth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just so important. And um, don't have big expectations. I mean, just don't have big expectations initially in those first few weeks anyway. Um, but you know, it's just it's just worth doing and it really doesn't need to consume your 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 time at all when you're doing it. Yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes it feels like another thing to fit in, doesn't it? But actually, like you say, it's it totally slots into your life. And when you're feeding your baby, which we're gonna be doing a lot in that immediate yes. period, it's a really great time to do it because yeah. you can't do anything else. why not now when it comes to more kind of movement and exercise with our bodies post-birth one of the things we see plastered all over the media which is mighty unhelpful is that like bounce back get your body back celebrities looking like beach body ready at like four or six weeks postpartum so frustrating so unrealistic and so edited I mean it's just Mm -hmm. not helpful or helpful or healthy is it really, really important that we don't rush? And how do we know when our body is ready? Because my body's different from your body to my friend's body to my mum's body. We're all unique, aren't we? We've all had a different journey. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. It's, and it's based on the individual. So uh, what's right for you might be very different from what's right for your friend in, in NCT, in your NCT class. The key thing is, I'd say initially to listen out to your body what signs and symptoms are you presenting with, particularly from a pelvic health perspective um, and pain perspective? Um, And let's say you're leaking urine, for example, I would not recommend you start running two weeks into your postnatal recovery because unfortunately impact is likely to make it a lot, lot worse. Um, You've got to think about rehabilitating as you would if you'd sprained your ankle. Okay, so if you'd sprained your ankle, you wouldn't go back to the sport you desperately want to do initially. You'd build up, and it's about building blocks. So whether you are a recreational exerciser, even if you don't do much exercise, or if you're an elite athlete, you need to start from the beginning, from basics. So your pelvic floor exercises, engaging your core. There are some little exercises that you can um, get hold of um, if you go to the POGP web- website, and I think it's called Fit for Future. There's a little leaflet on there which give you some basic core exercises that you can start. And now I would start those exercises in the first zero to two weeks regardless of how you've delivered and then you're going to listen to your body after that because being a mom is a very active job and as you said in your intro you you can't just rest and recover as I'd normally have you rest and recover after having surgery let's say for your knee so um, you have to listen to your body are you getting enough sleep are you getting the right food are you drinking enough um, it's about treating you as a whole essentially but from about weeks two to four you could start doing a little bit of strength training with your body weight so some squatting some lunging um, things that feel really comfortable and very low impact 
then from four to six weeks, you might want to increase a little bit of weight in those exercises. You might even want to dabble in a bit of exercise bike, an exercise bike if you have one, or gym access if we weren't in lockdown. Um, walking is essential, and I'd have you walk from day one um, just little and often as your body allows listening to your energy levels and any pain that you might have when you go from six weeks onwards that's when you can start ramping up the strength training a little that's when you might want to start exploring pushing up your cardio work a little bit more um, and again it's listening to what your body can cope with myself uh, Gwanya Donnelly and Tom Goom wrote some return to running postnatal guidelines, which guide you more into that impact, which we say collectively, we're saying a 12 week return to higher impact exercise. But as we've just touched on, that's very much based on the individual. So some of you might return to running at eight weeks. Some of you might return to running at 18 weeks. But with the help of a pelvic health physio, they can help guide you in that in that direction but fundamentally you can download those for free and within it is an infographic which gives you a zero to 12 week exercise progression um, and gives you a rough idea of of potentially what you can expose your body to so long as you feel comfortable and you're not symptomatic with those exercises but it's about building blocks that would be that's the most important message to get across taking it steady isn't it and listening to yeah. yourself we totally underestimate i think sometimes are the power of our intuition um, mm. and, and knowing our body and, and it's so important that we don't have this kind of comparison with some of the stuff we see in the media and we're just oh, yeah. with ourselves yeah bounce back is a myth okay well, I mean how many women do we see postnatally I I mean it's very rare that I'll see a Victoria Beckham <laughs> um four weeks postnatally with where, you know there are the rare women where their body just ping back but just because the look of their body is pinged back doesn't mean that internally they're they're ready to do the things that they might want to do as well so that's the other thing to think about don't always be um deceived by by look um you have to think about all of us building up our muscular strength and capability yeah, that's a really good point. Your body could look really functional on the outside, but actually internally there's some serious weaknesses that are going to yeah. cause long-term symptoms. What are the risks, Emma, with someone returning to more high-impact exercise sooner than their body's ready? Can that cause kind of more harm in the long term or is it just they're going to have to put up with these, these unpleasant symptoms? Yeah, I think if you return too soon and you're lucky enough not to have symptoms at that point... Um, I guess I was like that I returned after about five weeks so I was desperate to return to run because I hadn't been running during my pregnancies or my first pregnancy and you know what I did pretty nicely for a few months I had no pain any problems and then six months later developed nice little prolapse and um, some low back pain severe low back pain actually which did mean that I couldn't then run for another 18 months now I'm just giving you my journey that might not happen for you um, but you do have to remember that you're exposing potentially your body to exercise it's not just ready for and therefore if you haven't got pelvic floor issues you could create pelvic floor issues that's not definite but we do see that see a patterning of that so the temptation is there. I get it. If you haven't got any symptoms, I understand why you'd want to get back to running. But all I can say is do as I say, not as I did. Um, I didn't have the level of knowledge I had then, just to be clear. Um, 
I should just add a massive caveat there. I wasn't in pelvic health at that point. But that's um, that anyway, aren't they? I mean, we're the worst kind. Oh, <laughs> awful. Never listen to ourselves. Never listen to our bodies. You know when it's not right. And, you know, it's blooming hard work returning to run after any injury and certainly I don't care what anyone says but any runner is hard work after having a baby despite symptom so you know it it makes sense doesn't it just to build up but but be prepared for the fact that you are potentially exposing yourself to pelvic health issues and I'm I'm a huge advocate for us all exercising I think it's so important and we do have to weigh up the mental health physical health benefits you know especially in COVID I'm seeing a lot of women who are desperate just to get out have some me time but remember you don't necessarily have to run you could just go for a really awesome power walk um you can still have your me time and i just think i just think we need to you know respect our bodies and and nurture our bodies just for a little bit longer than perhaps we might always want to do i love that word nurture because we spend all this time nurturing these little babies and completely neglect ourselves Mm -hmm. and i think that's where we i know we spoke about kind of baby shower gifts and things but if someone can provide something that's for mum that helps to nurture mum whatever that might be that's really important isn't it everyone's nurturing the baby but let's not forget this mum who's been through this amazing thing they really do need lots of nurturing too oh yeah and they need to not feel guilty about it as well because the amount of women I say uh, that speak to me and say oh do you know I just love to pop out for half an hour when my husband gets home from work and just have a walk but I feel really bad because baby needs me my husband needs me he's been at work all day or partner needs me it might might not just be a husband um and you know I think oh my goodness you know you you have to give yourself this time because the happier you are the happier your family unit is and that's that's what's key really yeah definitely and that's something we really need to prepare for during pregnancy isn't it how we're going to manage that postpartum period and certainly I encourage all mums when they do their kind of birth preference planning is to think about that postpartum period as well what makes you feel good what makes you feel positive and protects your mental health brilliant capture those things now well you're not so sleep deprived and you're feeling fairly normal so that when it comes to that postpartum and things can be really challenging especially in the current times Mm -hmm. you've got a resource that you can go and look at and be like right today I'm taking 20 minutes to do this thing because I know for me that's part of my nurturing and healing and I need to do that for me and in the grand scheme of the 24-hour period that you have looking after your baby 20 minutes is nothing. They're not going to miss you for that 20 minutes. You might feel guilty, but they're quite happy with somebody else. Oh, yeah. And I remember feeling that way. And actually, the more I did it, the more I realised, in fact, I was slightly disappointed on the <laughs> when I get back and realise that my son had clearly not noticed that I'd not even been there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I think it's about just treating yourself. And, you know, I'm seeing as well, I'm sure you are, just that rise in mental health is with, with lockdown and COVID, it's definitely on the increase. And I do think exercise has a huge role to play beneficially with that. So embrace it, find your me time, find the thing that you love and, and just embrace it and, and don't feel guilty about it at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess leading on from mental health, Emma, if we have got these symptoms of a dysfunctional pelvic floor, that does impact your mental health for sure, doesn't it? If you're leaking urine when you go for a jog because that's what you like doing, then that has a massive impact on your mental health. So by investing this time in your kind of pregnancy and and womanhood, really, 
um, you are also protecting your your mental wellness, which is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we see a huge correlation with pelvic floor dysfunction and um, and mental health. We've just done a really um, interesting uh, research study with uh, Dr. Izzy Moore, uh, Gronya Donnelly, and myself did it, and we into or uh, questioned. Uh, I think we got 2000 women on our questionnaire yeah, yeah. just to find out what affected their return to run postnatally and two of the key things were fear of movement um and also uh heaviness in the vagina mm. so so that heaviness as i said earlier can be a sign of prolapse not necessarily um but you know that's a key pelvic floor issue that women are very anxious about and definitely affects their mental health and their feeling of self-worth um, and their ability to exercise so it's just so important that we are getting in and seeing women before these issues happen or if they're happening get in early to try and help resolve them yeah definitely definitely and and that that mum guilt mum's not not worrying about spending time to nurture and heal their bodies you know their nutrition their exercise their mental wellness we need to focus on these in, in that postpartum yeah. and that pregnancy period it needs to be part part of the whole thing so we really appreciate what what amazing things our, our bodies are doing yeah absolutely now emma i need to just talk a little bit more about your book before i let you go anywhere <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know you find it really cringy, but I do. <laughs> it's called Why Did No One Tell Me? So how did you come up with that title? I love it. Yeah, this was interesting, this title, because it it kind of came to me really quickly because it's one thing that women always say to me in clinic postnatally, oh, why did just no one tell me that I might leak urine after having a baby? Or why did no one tell me I might experience a perineal tear? And I was just so fed up with hearing it because I just thought, yeah, you're damn right. Why, did, why didn't we tell you? Um, it's certainly something I thought to myself after my, my first, why didn't anyone tell me that I might have some issues if I returned to running too soon? Um, and and it, it came up and I mentioned it to my editor, who's awesome. And she, she was unsure for a while. Um, but turns out the 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 whole team at Ebury or part of Penguin loved it, um, and I just think it resonates with so many women during and after their pregnancy. Um, I don't know. This is what we're all about, isn't it? This is why you and me are having this conversation. We're just trying to disseminate the right information that not only informs but empowers, and that's that's the premise of the book. That's why I'm hoping that I answer that question so that hopefully when my kids are older certainly my daughter I have a stepdaughter as well I really hope that they never ever have to answer that ask that question to their healthcare professionals when they have children so that's the goal anyway oh what an amazing motivation behind that I love that and you're so right we really need to start talking about these issues you know we don't just want to talk about the pregnancy glow and the lovely you know buggy walks we need to talk about the fact that you know, almost 90% of women sustain some perineal trauma, but a quarter of women give birth by cesarean. We need to talk about these yeah. because that's why women feel so alone and so disempowered by their birth experience because they yeah. don't realise how many people are going through the same thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to normalise it. We need to break the taboos, break down the barriers. This is something we've been doing for millions of years and it's doesn't it annoy you that in 2021 we're almost having why we're still having this conversation I just feel we should be way ahead of of the curve by now yeah I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more which is why we're both trying to rally yeah. some like real honest information out there to, to get in front of women 
Now, Emma, everyone that comes on, I always ask for three top tips. So I wondered whether you could share your three top tips that you would like to tell um, a new <laughs> or expectant mum. Oh, okay. So I think my first tip would be prepare. Prepare as much as you can either before you feel pregnant or certainly during your pregnancy for not only your pregnancy but childbirth and postnatal recovery and we've spoken about how you can do that just with something as simple as pelvic floor exercises for example and being as active as you can during your pregnancy um the next tip i would say is pelvic floor issues are really common um but they aren't normal and they are very treatable as well so if you are struggling with any of the pelvic floor symptoms that we've discussed or worried that you might struggle with them later on in life, see a pelvic health physiotherapist, discuss it with your healthcare professionals during and after your pregnancy. Um, because as I say, they're, they're treatable and actually it's much more simple to treat than you might think. So that would be my second tip. And my final tip would be really that the bounce back myth is rubbish. Um, and we all need to nurture our bodies postnatally, take our time, accept the fact that likelihood is you aren't just going to bounce back. And that's perfectly normal and rightly so, given all the bodily changes that have occurred. And if you can see a pelvic health physiotherapist to help you recover and rehabilitate, then um, that is, I think, the best gift you can give yourself postnatally. So they would be my three tips. Oh, amazing. Thank you, Emma. And to anyone who has got any other questions about pelvic health physio, please don't reach out to me because I will not be able to answer them anywhere near as well as Emma. But Emma's Instagram is linked in the description bio as well. So you can always get in touch and check out all of her amazing resources on there too. Thank you so much for your time, Emma. I will let you get back to the joys of homeschooling oh, in lockdown. Please don't. Let's carry on. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, I love what you're doing. And uh, if you want to talk for another half an hour, so I don't have to go and do year one or year two maths, I'm ha quite happy to stay. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much, Emma. Have a good afternoon. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women we can reach out to and empower. For daily free information, inspiration, or details on our bespoke antenatal education courses, head over to my social medias at midwife underscore pip and my website, midwifepip.com. I would love to hear from expectant mums who have found this episode useful and wish to embrace further support on their wellness journey. Pop your details in the Your Pregnancy Journey tab on my website and I will be back in touch. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.